You're listening to the Metamore City Podcast, episode 17, for May 4th, 2008. Warning. The following episode contains mature themes, adult language, and strong sexual content. It's not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Metamore City, a podcast series created by Chris Lester. For more information, please visit www.metamorphcity.com. Hey there, Metamorphs. This is Chris Lester. Welcome to the show. I'm running behind on the production for this episode, and I've got 42 minutes of story for you today. So let's just get right into it. It's Chapter 9 of Making the Cut, and here is the story so far. In the last episode, Daniel attended the funeral for his friend Del Matthews, who was killed by their old combat instructor, Victor Hincavos, during the fight over a package that Victor was smuggling into town for the Vampire Crime Syndicate. Daniel was plagued with guilt over Del's death because he had healed Victor when he was mortally wounded during the mission, which had given Victor the opportunity to kill Del. To make matters worse, Del's widow, Josephine, and their infant daughter were left in desperate financial trouble. The local hive of the Psy Collective was willing to help them, but only if Josephine agreed to join a breeding cell, something that her religion forbade her to do. Daniel solved Joe's problem by giving her the money that the vamps had paid him for the smuggling job. This gave Josephine the seed money to start a new life, but it left Daniel back where he started, stuck in a bachelor cell, unable to leave the hive, and with no hope of ever having a life with his girlfriend, Rebecca. After the funeral, Daniel was met by Ava Salindi, the androgyne who had helped lead the smuggling operation. She took Daniel to a pub to commiserate over his friend's death. While they were there, Daniel explained his situation in the hive. Ava and her male alter ego, Evan, proposed a radical solution to Daniel's problem. He could change his value to the hive by taking the curse of Metamor and becoming an androgyne. As a woman, Daniel would be a valuable asset, because the biggest thing that the Collective needs to ensure its survival is a large supply of prospective mothers. Daniel would be able to join a breeding cell alongside Rebecca, which would give him the security and acceptance of the Collective, along with a chance to be with his true love. Daniel liked the sound of the plan, but he was worried that he might not be able to go through with it, since he wasn't sexually attracted to men. Ava assured him that the curse would help with this, and suggested a test drive. She would get a potion for him that would temporarily mimic the effects of the curse, and then he could decide whether to go through with it permanently. As they left the pub, they made plans to spend the weekend getting Daniel in touch with his feminine side. Chapter 9 Friday, May 31st The knock at the door came at a quarter to seven, just as they had arranged. Daniel opened the door and was greeted by the very agreeable sight of Ava in a little black cocktail dress. The outfit practically qualified as public lingerie, with a neckline that showed a generous amount of cleavage, and a skirt that was slit almost to the waist along one thigh. Her liquid gold hair had been teased and quaffed into thick, silky waves, which hung loose around her shoulders, with only a few subtle hairpins holding it back around her face. A pair of black heels showed off her perfect legs and put her at eye level with Daniel, who was currently barefoot. She was, in a word, extraordinary. Ava lifted a garment bag and handed it to Daniel. 
Hello, darling, she said, smiling brilliantly as she put on her faux Skywalker accent. Are you ready to rock the town tonight? As ready as I'll ever be, Danielle said, returning the smile. Please come in. She cast an appraising look around the apartment as she entered. Your flatmates are out, I take it. Daniel nodded. Kevin's meeting his boyfriend for dinner and Nathan's at a concert. It's just as well. I'd rather not deal with the questions right now. He raised the garment bag questioningly. What have I got here? One of your outfits? Absolutely, darling. The clothes are spellwoven to fit anyone, so you needn't worry about the size. Here, you'll need this. She fished around in her purse for a moment and drew out a small screw-cap vial made of amber glass, which she handed to him. Artax assures me that this potion will precisely mimic the effects of the androgyne curse. What you see is what you'll get, if you decide to go through with it. Daniel looked at the vial with interest. It had a store label on it. Apparently the potion was from someplace called Spells for You, which didn't strike him as the name of a respectable establishment. Then again, this was supposedly the same wizard who had created Ava's shapeshifting garment, so obviously he knew more than a little about transmutation magic. Below the store logo was a description of the potion and a list of warnings in small type. Not recommended for use by androgynes. Do not combine with other transmutation spells. Do not take if pregnant or nursing. Do not take while operating heavy machinery. Remove clothing before taking. Keep out of reach of children. Does it hurt? he asked. Ava rolled her eyes. Heavens no. Mostly it just tingles a bit. Well, I suppose it might be uncomfortable if you didn't remove your clothes first. I'll keep that in mind. He gestured at the couch and chairs in the adjoining living room. Make yourself at home. I guess I'm going to go change. Indeed you are, she said, grinning. (laughs) Sit down when you do. I'm told the first time can be a bit disorienting. Nodding his thanks, he took the garment bag in one hand and the vial in the other and went into the bathroom. He hung the bag on the shower curtain rod and stripped out of his clothes before turning his attention back to the vial. A thin plastic wrapper covered the screw cap, and its holographic seal attested that the potion had been approved by the Bureau of Magic Regulation. He removed the wrapper and opened the vial, setting the cap aside. The dark, clear liquid inside smelled like strawberries and cinnamon. He sat down on the lid of the toilet and faced the mirror, holding the vial to his lips. Here goes nothing, he said, and downed the potion. The stuff burned on the way down. Daniel guessed that the wizard must have used some sort of liquor as the base. He felt a warm sensation as it settled into his stomach. Where that feeling would have quickly dissipated with a normal drink, however, Daniel now felt it growing inside him. The warmth spread across his stomach, up into his torso, and down into his groin, and finally to his head and extremities, until it felt like he was glowing beneath his skin. Then, almost before he knew it was happening, his body began to change. It started with a prickling, pins and needles sensation along his arms, upper legs, and chest. Daniel looked down and saw his body hair receding, leaving behind only a fine layer of almost invisible peach fuzz against his mocha-brown skin. The odd feeling spread up his neck and into his cheeks, eradicating his five o'clock shadow and leaving the skin as soft as a newborn's. A moment later, he could feel the bones and cartilage shifting in his face, altering his features. He didn't have time to watch the changes in detail, though, because by then, too many things were happening to him at once. He saw his muscular arms and legs redefine themselves, becoming smooth and slender. 
The changes then spread to his neck, and he watched in the mirror as his Adam's apple vanished, and the musculature of his neck and shoulders became more effeminate. His ribcage and waist reshaped themselves in subtle ways as his hips shifted and broadened. Then the tingling concentrated itself around his groin, and he gasped at the wave of sensation that passed through him. Though this was by far the most dramatic change, Daniel was too distracted to watch the process in detail. The transformation set his nerve endings alight, and in seconds his pleasure centers were in the midst of sensory overload. He felt a strong pulling sensation, followed by a churning rearrangement of his internal anatomy, but those signals were nearly drowned out as his body responded to its most sensitive region being abruptly restructured. Daniel heard a soft, feminine moan of pure ecstasy, and it took a moment before he recognized that it had come from himself. The pleasurable haze diminished, but not completely. As Daniel opened his eyes, he felt the tingling concentrate itself around his chest. He watched as his nipples engorged themselves, tripling in size and darkening to the color of chocolate. Daniel reached up to touch them, and the newly sensitive nerve endings sent little electric bolts of pleasure down his body, grounding themselves in the soft folds of tissue that now waited between his, no, her, legs. Then the flesh beneath the nipples began to expand, swelling outward until two perfect breasts filled her hands, and then became more than an easy handful. Daniel felt the new weight settle against her chest, but her pecs and back muscles were still strong, and she found that the feeling didn't bother her. Of course, the fact that the transformation had felt better than it had any right to might have had something to do with that. Daniel hadn't felt this good since his all-day romp with Rebecca after final exams three years ago. Daniel stood and looked at herself in the mirror. Even knowing roughly what to expect, the results astonished her. She had lost a few centimeters of height, but she was still quite tall for a woman. 177 or 178, she guessed, much like Ava herself. Her long arms and legs, slender waist, muscular abs, and shapely breasts made her look like the long-lost goddess of athletics. Her hair fell around her shoulders in glossy black waves. When did that happen? She wondered. But any further pondering on that subject was postponed when she looked at her face. While Daniel had always known that he was good-looking, as a woman she was simply gorgeous. Her high cheekbones, straight nose, and blue eyes gave homage to her Kitchlander ancestors, while her full lips and dark skin reflected her Arambian heritage, and the thick, wavy black hair was proof of her Songafilder blood. The end result of this diverse ethnic mixture was an exotic beauty so captivating that Daniel was pretty sure it could stop traffic. Damn. She murmured, surprising herself again with the rich contralto of her own voice. If this is what the curse can do, no wonder people take it. She looked down at her body again, studying it more closely. Though her arms and legs were much leaner than they had been, her background in medicine told her not to worry. A woman's muscles were denser and more compact than a man's at an equivalent level of strength. She flexed her arms experimentally, and could feel that her muscle tone was still intact though the muscles didn't pop as much as they once had. Looking further down, she saw that the spell hadn't taken any aesthetic license with her body hair. Though her arms, chest, and upper legs were now smooth and bare, her lower legs were almost as hairy as they had been when she was a man. Daniel suspected she would have to do something about that, given Ava's taste in evening wear. Opening up the garment bag, Daniel pulled out her new wardrobe and examined it carefully. The dress was a vivid crimson with a V-neck and flutter sleeves. 
She held it up against her body, liking the way the color complemented her dark skin. The hemline fell a few centimeters above her knees, short but not so short that she would feel immodest. Along with the dress, the bag included a pair of matching red low-heeled shoes, stockings, a garter belt, low-rise hip-hugger panties, and a demi-cup of bra. The undergarments were made of smooth fabric with no prominent lines or seams, probably to keep them from showing through under a tight-fitting dress. The stockings were sheer, with about a decimeter of black lace near the top. Daniel looked from the clothes to her body and back again. Some judicious hair removal was definitely in order. She fished around under the sink for a minute and pulled out Kevin's bottle of depilatory cream. Unlike its mundane equivalents, the alchemical substance was both fast-acting and gentle on the skin. Squeezing a dollop of the cream into her hands, she ran it over her legs and under her arms. The hair came off almost instantaneously, leaving her skin smooth and tingling in its wake. Her eyes fell on the thin, stretchy fabric of the panties, and after a moment's thought, she did the same to the area between her legs. After washing the remaining cream from her hands and wiping herself down with a damp washcloth, Daniel turned her attention to getting dressed. After living with Rebecca for four years, Daniel was familiar with women's undergarments and how they were put on. Actually, she was better acquainted with how they were removed, but her eye for detail was keen enough that she had little trouble now. She knew enough to put on the garter belt and stockings before the panties, thereby making any late-night visits to the restroom that much easier. The bra gave her a little more trouble, but she figured out the clasps after fumbling with them for a minute or so. The bra's material was loose and unsupportive at first, but as soon as the clasps had closed, the spell-woven garment tightened around her. In the space of a few seconds, it molded itself to fit her breasts, lifting and supporting them without becoming too tight. That is really arc, she murmured, wondering again at how much money Ava must make in a year. She put on the dress and shoes, then turned this way and that in front of the mirror, looking at herself from all angles. The dress hugged close to her abdomen and upper body, but it flared out below the waist, which made it easy to move in. The heels were low enough that they felt only a little awkward, for which Daniel was grateful. He'd seen more than a few college students turn themselves into women for Daedra Kema, and they always embarrassed themselves if they tried to wear high heels without any prior experience. A knock sounded at the door. Daniel, are you all right in there? Smiling, Daniel turned and slowly opened the door, putting her other hand on her hip in what she hoped was a suitably sexy pose. It must have worked, because Ava's eyes widened as she looked Daniel up and down. A slow grin spread over her face. Brilliant, she said, beaming. Daniel ran a hand through her long black hair. You like? She asked. Her voice came out as a sexy purr, which she found both satisfying and a little disturbing. Ava licked her lips. Danny, darling, if you weren't off limits, I don't think we'd be leaving this apartment. And I speak both for myself and Evan with that sentiment. Daniel chuckled. Danny, is it? Well, we can't very well keep calling you Daniel, Ava said reasonably. Turn around and let me see how it fits you. Daniel... Danny, rather, did as Ava asked, turning in a slow circle. Very nice. I knew red would be a good color for you. How are the shoes? Not too bad, I think. I'll have to try walking with them to be sure. You'll get plenty of chance for that. I don't have any makeup for someone with your skin tone, so we'll need to stop at a store before we go to the club. Danny looked down at her outfit. 
I hope you brought a spare purse, she said with a smirk. The dress is beautiful, but I can't carry a thing in it. I barely have enough room for my dignity. Ava laughed and put her arm around Danny. Good, you have a sense of humor. Hold on to that and you'll be fine. Glad to hear it. And the purse? And the skimmer. Ava promised. Come on, let's go. The city's waking up and you're going to see it like you never have before. The nightclub known as Parallax was already fairly crowded when Danny and Ava arrived an hour later, though a line had yet to form outside the door. The bouncer grinned at them appreciatively as he checked their ID cards, which made Danny blush. As a former Skyball captain, she was used to people staring at her, but it was different when it was a tall, muscular man who was actively admiring her cleavage. She wasn't angry at him, and she didn't feel threatened. She probably would have stared too in his place, and with her martial arts training, she was sure she could take him. But the simple fact that she was an object of male desire was going to take some getting used to. Better learn to deal with it, Danny, she told herself. If this was really going to be your ticket into a breeding cell, you're going to be getting a whole lot more than just admiring looks. Parallax was a mid-scale club located on the second Skyway level in the downtown district of Metalmore City. Danny had chosen it because it was owned by a telepath who had only loose ties to the collective. The club catered to both Spookies and Mundies, but the size they met here were more likely to be disaffected outsiders than full members of the Hive. Danny felt more at home here than at the collective's all-teeth dance parties, and she couldn't have brought Ava to one of those anyway. Danny and Ava entrusted their purses to the employee at the bag and coat check. In exchange, they each received a drink card attached to a lanyard, which served both as a claim ticket and as a way to keep track of their bar tab. Slipping the lanyards around their necks, they threaded their way through the loose crowd of people chatting near the entrance and into the heart of the club. The room smelled of sweat and perfume, with faint accents of tobacco and cannabis from guests who had smuggled in cigs or cabs. Strobe lights and lasers flashed in the darkness. A faint haze emanated from hidden fog machines, giving form and substance to the multicolored beams of light that danced over the heads of the crowd. The club's powerful speakers thrummed with chagak, a style of music that was best described as the bastard child of Luton tribal rhythms and electric instruments. People of all colors and species writhed and spun under the music's influence. In several spots on the floor, they had formed into spontaneous dance circles, where the bravest souls would move into a spotlight in the center and show off their moves for the onlookers. Danny lingered to watch one of these impromptu performers, a good-looking Kitchlander in his late 20s or early 30s. His short brown hair whipped out in all directions as he fell back onto his hands and spun his legs in a wide circle, then twisted, rolled, and popped back up to his feet with amazing speed. Danny couldn't even find words for what he did next, but it seemed to be inspired in equal measures by martial arts, acrobatics, and a bird caught in a tornado. The dancer leapt, spun, dropped to the floor, and came back up again, and through it all he kept perfect time with the frenetic beat of the music. Danny stood transfixed at the sight of it, and she wasn't the only one. Dimly, she was aware of the crowd pressing in around her, all of them watching with rapt attention as the dancer translated sound and rhythm into motion before their eyes. The song ended and the crowds erupted in cheers and applause. The man stood and raised his hands over his head, grinning almost sheepishly at the praise. His head drifted to one side and ran up against his armpit, and he recoiled with a pantomimed look of revulsion, waving a hand over his nose. His audience just laughed and cheered even louder. 
Waving his thanks to them all, he ducked out of the circle and disappeared into the darkness of the club. That was bloody fabulous! Ava said, shouting to be heard over the cheers that were still rising up all around them. Who is he? Danny shook her head. No idea. I've never seen him before. Ava nodded in acknowledgement and pointed to the bar. Let's get something to drink! Right behind you. Picking out an open space at the bar, they swiped their drink cards through one of the readers and placed their orders with the bartender. Normally, Daniel preferred beer when he went out with friends, but tonight Danny ordered a raspberry martini with a twist of lemon. It was a cheerful and unabashedly feminine sort of drink, and as such, it fit with the mood she was going for tonight. If I'm going to do this, she thought, I'm going to do it right. Besides, the martini just sounded good for a change. The bartender passed them their drinks, and the two women raised them in a toast. To the girls' night out, Ava said, and Danny smiled as they clinked their glasses together. What did you get? She asked, before taking a sip of her drink. She raised her eyebrows and nodded in satisfaction. Not bad at all. Ava showed her a wry grin. I'm afraid I'm being rather predictable tonight. It's a hot swap. Of course, Danny said, rolling her eyes. The drink's name came from the slang term for an androgyne who, like Ava, changed genders at the drop of a hat. The two women chatted idly for a while, enjoying the drinks and each other's company. They discovered a common interest in University Skyball and spent some time debating the relative prospects of their favorite teams. Several men came by with offers to dance, but Ava fended them off politely and firmly. Danny wasn't relaxed enough yet to dance with the stranger, and Ava seemed to sense that without being told. After her second drink, Danny had loosened up enough that she was ready to move, and she and Ava went out to the dance floor together. The music had transitioned from Chagok to a slower, sultrier style, one that was better suited to couples than spectators. Ava put her arms around Danny's shoulders, while Danny let hers slip around Ava's waist. They began to move in time with the music, and with each other's bodies. Ava leaned in close, putting her mouth to Danny's ear. Lesson number one about being a woman. Your body moves differently. Your proportions are different. Your balance is different. And your clothes are different. As a man, you've learned how to project your personal energy in a masculine way. Everything is about strength, directness, blunt force. If you want something, you go straight for it. A sexy man is one who knows what he wants and goes after with confidence. You with me so far? Danny nodded. For a woman, it's different. Sexiness is still about confidence, but it's focused inward instead of outward. A sexy woman knows that she's desirable and she invites attention toward her instead of just seeing what she wants and grabbing it. Danny smirked. I don't know. As a guy, I don't think I would have minded if a beautiful woman threw herself at me. Ava shook her head. That's what you tell yourself, but deep down it isn't true. A woman who's too aggressive early on will come off as either a slut or just bloody terrifying. Being assertive in the bedroom is a turn-on, but you're not that far along yet. She drew back from Danny and turned in a slow circle, undulating her body in several intriguing ways. Your body language needs to be smooth and flowing, liquid, like a man could just step into it. At this, she put a hand on Danny's shoulder and moved sinuously around her, until she had pressed up against Danny on the opposite side. And let it wash over him, she finished. Danny blushed furiously at the feeling of Ava pressing against her, her lips only inches away. Got it, she said. She put her arms around Ava and shifted her into a less distracting position. 
No, see, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. Eva said, laughing. <laughs> Do you see what you did there? You just moved me where you wanted me. All directness, all linear. What would a woman do if she was uncomfortable with the way you were touching her? Probably slap me. Ava laughed again and shook her head. <laughs> Let me amend that. What would she do if she wasn't ready for you to touch her like that just yet? She moved back to where she had been before, with her breasts pressed up against Danny's right side and her arm draped over the opposite shoulder. Show me what she would do. Danny thought about it for a moment. Then she brought her right hand up and ran it along the length of Ava's outstretched arm, gradually guiding it upward until her hand left Danny's shoulder. Danny clasped hands with her, then slowly brought their linked hands back down between them, turning her body and taking a half step back as she did so. At the end of the maneuver, they were facing each other with their hands clasped between them. All of her movements had been soft, cajoling, guiding her partner to the desired level of separation without pushing her around or breaking away from contact. Very good, Ava said, unweaving her fingers from Danny's and running her hand slowly up Danny's arm until it was resting on her shoulder. At the same time, her other hand found Danny's hip and slid around to wrap behind her. Remember, soft and flowing always. Try to pitch your will directly against a man and he'll take it personally and fight you. Invite him gently to come where you're going, and he'll follow you anywhere. Your power is a fishing lure, not a club. Danny nodded. The idea of redirecting momentum instead of opposing strength with strength was one that she understood from her studies of the martial arts. Ava had just extended the idea from the literal into the metaphorical. Okay, I get it now. I see that. Now take that and apply it to the whole way you move your body. Direct and angular movements will make you look cold and standoffish. Indirect and circular movements are inviting. Watch me. She took a half dozen steps away from Danny and turned around. Squaring her shoulders and holding her chin up, she marched toward Danny, swinging her arms in time with the steady drum of her footsteps. She stared directly at Danny as she approached. She stopped bare centimeters from Danny, who unconsciously took a step backwards. How did that look? Danny smirked. Like you were coming to kill me? Exactly. Now, watch this. Again, she withdrew six paces from Danny. This time, though, she turned her head and cast a veiled look over her shoulder, then pivoted the rest of her body in a slow, sinuous movement. She stalked toward Danny with measured, deliberate steps, sashaying her hips and putting each footstep in front of the other. She kept her chin slightly lowered and looked up at her with half-lidded eyes. A smile played around the corners of her mouth, as if she were mildly amused. Her lips parted slightly as she came closer, and her chest rose in a slow, deliberate breath. She stopped at arm's length and looked up at Danny, and the smile broadened. Hello there. Her eyes promised a memorable evening for the one who was gutsy enough to pursue it. She extended a hand, palm downward. Danny took a step towards her and took the offered hand, drawing her closer. The response was instinctive, just as her retreat had been a minute before. Ava leaned in close and planted a kiss on Danny's cheek, then drew back and looked at her. Do you see the difference? I do. The tricky part will be remembering to do it. Piffle, Ava said, waving her hand dismissively. This stuff has been programmed into us by thousands of years of evolution. Your body knows how to move. Your brain is a woman's brain. 
The tricky part is getting your male memories and your male ego to take a back seat to your instincts. You just have to stop fighting against your nature is all. Danny chuckled and shook her head. That sounds great, but my male memories and my male ego are pretty much everything I think of as me. Right now, it's like I'm just acting, like playing a part. I can fake it for a while, but it isn't me. Except that this is you. It's just a different you from the one you're used to. It's your same soul, but it's behind a different filter. You'll see what I mean. Just let Danny be herself instead of trying to make her be Daniel. Danny shrugged. I'm not sure how, but I'll try. Good. Another song was starting, and Ava took a step back and put her hands on her hips. Time for your first test. Dance sexy for me. Danny blinked. What? Seduce me. Ava said, grinning wickedly. Dance like a woman would dance for her lover. Make me want you. Danny blushed, suddenly feeling self-conscious. She laughed nervously. I don't know if I can. You can, Ava said encouragingly. Stop thinking about it so hard and just do it. Danny closed her eyes and took a few deep breaths, steadying herself. She let the music soak into her, swaying gently with the beat until she was sure she had the rhythm of it. It was a trance number with a fairly fast tempo and a heavy bass line that contrasted with a gentle, persuasive melody line and haunting accents from a synth pad. Danny moved her body at half tempo, taking small steps left and right. She rocked her hips from side to side and rolled her shoulders in time with the steps, undulating her whole body. She turned in a slow circle, showing herself to Ava from every angle. The lights overhead painted her with flashes of green, purple, and red, playing across her curves and making them stand out sharply against the surrounding darkness. She moved her hands in slow, deliberate gestures, creating ripples that traveled up her arms and across her shoulders in one fluid motion. Her right hand snaked up and passed through her hair while the other ran slowly down her thigh, straying near the cleft between her legs without ever quite reaching it. The right hand slid down the side of her neck and down to her chest, where she briefly cupped one breast while she arched her back and closed her eyes. The hand continued its journey down, running over her abs and then down over her right thigh. She continued in this vein, improvising as she went along. She looked up at Ava through half-leaded eyes and gave her an inviting smile. Ava watched, transfixed, as her body swayed back and forth in time with Danny's movements. Danny sashayed closer to her, staying with the flow of the music. She reached out a hand and Ava took it, gently drawing her in closer. Danny spun inward on Ava's arm, coming nose to nose with her as she pressed up against Ava's body. Ava's lips parted in surprise, and Danny bent in close as if for a kiss. Just before their lips would have touched, Danny drew back, putting a gentle finger to Ava's mouth instead. She smiled impishly at Ava and ran her fingertip down over the woman's chin, down the line of her neck, and into the cleft between her breasts. She hooked the fingertip under the collar of Ava's dress and gave it a little tug, enough to tease her without actually pulling anything loose. Ava was touching her now as well, running her hands down the sides of Danny's torso and down to her waist. Danny turned in her arms and pressed back against her. Ava's grip tightened around her waist, and she ground her hips against Danny's ass while her breath came hot and insistent against Danny's ear. One possessive hand ran down between Danny's legs and covered her mount, while the other cupped one of her breasts. Danny bucked against her and moaned as a jolt of pleasure shot through her. They moved together in time with the music, 
Danny submitting completely to Ava's commanding touch. As the song reached a crescendo, Ava spun Danny around and planted her lips firmly against Danny's. Danny opened herself to the kiss, wrapping one leg around Ava's body as Ava held her tightly against her, one hand behind her head and the other around her waist. Danny was in rapture. Their mouths opened to one another and their tongues danced, and with the intimacy of that contact, Ava's mind unfolded itself in front of her. She felt Ava's ardent lust like a storm beneath her skin, and she wanted nothing more than to let the clouds open up and drown her. She sent her own emotions into the link, pouring into Ava the loneliness of the last year and a hunger that had gone unsated for far too long. Just to be touched like this, to be wanted by another in this way, it was like rain in the desert, and Danny could feel desire bursting into sudden, desperate bloom. Ava gasped against her and tightened her grip, surprise spilling over the rest of her emotions. Oh, gods, she thought her words echoing through the link as clearly as if she had spoken them. What is this? Is this you? Danny put her arms around Ava's neck and kissed her again, hard. Yes. She sent back urgently. Yes, it's me, Ava. I can feel how much you want this. How much you want me. Can you feel me inside you, Ava? Ava moaned against her, but Danny was vaguely aware of a new thread of uncertainty in her thoughts. But what? I thought you couldn't... I'm tired of denying myself. It's like you said, Ava. It's time for me to let go and stop fighting against my nature. She wrapped a hand between Ava's legs from behind, sending her fingers questing upward. Ava writhed and shuddered under her touch. Danny, listen to me. She said, her voice coming out urgent and shaky. The thing about androgynes is, oh God, that feels so good. Yes. Danny purred, moving her fingers higher. The thing is, your sex drive is enhanced in your dominant form. You have, have, oh, to be careful all your stuff, but behaving irrationally. Sounds like fun. Danny purred. Gods, Ava was so beautiful. She couldn't wait to get her somewhere that she could explore every centimeter of that spell-sculpted body. A surge of fear shot through Ava, but it was still mingled with lust and excitement. It just made Danny want her more. She planted soft kisses on Ava's neck. There, there. I won't hurt you. It will be amazing. You'll see. I'm not a teen. Danny wouldn't have even heard her if the words hadn't been reflected in her thoughts. Nobody's perfect, she said. Danny felt Ava take a deep breath and focus her will, working past the haze of pleasure to form one forceful, coherent thought. Rebecca! Danny paused. A nagging twinge of uncertainty crept up in the back of her mind. What? Think of Rebecca. Ava hissed in her ear. She sounded desperate, like she was trying to convince herself as well as Danny. If we do this, you'll be stuck in my head forever. You'll never get a chance to be with Rebecca again. That's what you really want, isn't it? Rebecca's image floated up before Danny's eyes. Becca. With difficulty, she withdrew her hand from underneath Ava's dress. They pulled back from their embrace and looked at each other, gripping each other's arms for support. Both of them were flushed and panting. Ava looked a little dazed, which matched how Danny felt. I... I guess I passed the test. Danny said, hesitantly. Ava let out a breathless laugh. Bloody hells, yes.
Danny shook her head, trying to clear her thoughts. Thanks for snapping me out of it. If we'd done what we were about to do... Ava nodded. The gesture was exaggerated, and Danny realized that they were both at least a little drunk. Sorry. I should have warned you. Let's go sit down. They walked off the dance floor and found a small, half-moon-shaped booth in the back of the club, one of a dozen that ran along that part of the wall. The shadows were thicker here, and most of the other people using the booths were either making out or dosing up on drugs or liquor. Danny and Ava sat as far apart as the space permitted, facing each other over the small round table. Danny cleared her throat before speaking. So I guess it's true what they say about androgynes? Partly. Keep in mind, the curse was designed to turn Metamore's warriors into willing pleasure slaves. Our own wizards managed to counter it, but not completely. The curse responds to your desires. The more feminine you make yourself, the harder it is to resist your instincts. You managed to resist. I've been doing this a lot longer. I didn't realise how far I was pushing you. And the alcohol didn't help either. I'm sorry. Danny waved it off. Don't worry about it. No harm done. She smiled impishly. Besides, it was fun. You're a good kisser. Ava flushed. And you're amazingly good with your hands. I need a cab, and I don't even smoke. I think they sell the smokeless ones at the bar, you know. Ava snorted. Fick, what's the point? Danny chuckled and looked out over the room. The place was packed now, and the dance floor was filled with a sea of bodies. A lot of them were making out at least as blatantly as Danny and Ava had been, which made her feel a little bit better. It had been fun, but she wouldn't have wanted to end up as the club's floor show on her first night as a woman. Her eyes drifted over to the bar, where she spotted a man sitting in the shadows by himself. That struck her as odd. Parallax wasn't the sort of place you went if you wanted a quiet drink alone. He looked up from his glass, almost as if he had felt her eyes on him. She recognized him, and then she was even more surprised. I'm going to get us some water, she said, sliding out of her seat. You want anything else? Ava shook her head. (laughs) Water sounds lovely. Thank you. All right, be back in a few. Danny went over to the bar and slid into the seat next to the man, which was strangely empty in spite of the crowd. She caught the bartender's attention and ordered two bottles of water, then turned her attention to the man. Can I get you anything? The Chagok dancer looked surprised that she had spoken to him. What? She almost laughed. There I go again, taking the direct approach, she thought. Ava, you've got your work cut out for you. Aloud, she said. I asked you if you would like a drink. He peered at her strangely for a moment, then shook his head, chuckling. (laughs) No thanks. I'm fine. Suit yourself. She cracked the cap on one of the water bottles and took a swig. That was some incredible dancing you did earlier. I can't believe I'm the first person to offer to buy you a drink. She smirked. Hells, I can't believe I'm the only one talking to you. He shrugged uneasily. Yeah, sometimes the attention gets to me after a while. I've learned how to sort of fade into the background when I get tired of it. Danny looked at him closely. You a teep? He snorted. Yeah, barely. They rated me as level one. Some days I can barely hear myself think. Danny groaned at the pun, and he sketched a half bow, taking it as a compliment. I'm Jared Tamlin, he said, extending a hand. Danny took the hand and bowed over it, smiling. Danny Shirabi. She didn't even have to think twice about the name. 
Now that was one hell of an evening. Danny raised her glass in agreement, settling back on the couch with a contented sigh. They had stayed at the Parallax until just after one in the morning, then hired a taxi for the ride home. Ava would take the subway downtown tomorrow morning to pick up her skimmer, when the sun was up and they were both a good deal more sober than they were at the moment. Danny had invited her in for a nightcap, not that either of them needed it. So? Ava tipped her head on its side and looked over at Danny with mischief in her eyes. Who's that boy I saw you dancing with? Danny blushed and looked away, but she couldn't keep from smiling. His name is Jared. He seemed like a nice guy, and he was all by himself. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he the same one tearing up the dance floor earlier? Danny nodded. Doesn't sound like much of a wallflower to me. You'd be surprised. Anyway, he's a low-powered teep, like me, so we had something in common. Ava rolled over on the couch until she was lying on her stomach with her feet in the air. She managed it without spilling her drink, which was a pretty good trick given her current state. <laughs> Did you tell him you're a TG? Not yet. I'm already nervous enough about the idea of being a girl and dating guys. I didn't need anything else to make it even more awkward. Ava giggled, leering at her. <laughs> but you like him. Danny made a non-committal sound and gestured vaguely with her free hand. Hells, I don't know. I felt something, but for all I know, it was just overflow from our little make-out session on the dance floor. She chuckled ruefully. Your potion might have made me a woman, but it sure didn't make me a straight woman. Most androgynes still keep their attraction to whatever sex they like before. The other just gets added over the top. It's nothing to worry about. Who's worried? I'd be more scared if I suddenly stopped liking women. They both laughed at that, and the alcohol probably made it seem funnier than it actually was. Ava put down her drink and crawled down the length of the couch to Danny. She turned over and put her head in Danny's lap. Danny gave her a wry look. Comfy? Mm-hmm. Ava said, closing her eyes. So, you gonna give it a try? Danny took a deep breath and set down her own glass, which was empty anyway. Yeah... I'm not going to know whether I can go through with this unless I actually give it a chance. So yes, if he calls, I'll give it a try. She snorted. Assuming he doesn't run away when I tell him I'm a TG. Mm, important point. Ava agreed, turning to rest her cheek against Danny's abs. And of course, assuming that he calls before it wears off. Mm. Ava seemed to be drifting off to sleep. Danny briefly considered inviting her to share her bed tonight, then wrote that off as a very bad idea. Ava? Mm? How long do I have before I change back anyway? I don't want to be out on a date and suddenly change back while I'm still in a dress. Or panties, she added silently. Ava opened her eyes halfway and shrugged. I don't know. My text says it depends on how close you are to the Citadel. How often you change back and forth, a bunch of other things. She closed her eyes again and nuzzled up against Danny's navel. You've got somewhere between two and three weeks. Danny leapt out of her seat and spun around to face her. Ava landed face first on the couch cushions. Ow. Two or three weeks? Ow! Ava said again. Never mind ow. I'm going to be stuck like this for two or three weeks? Ava turned over and gave her a cross expression. Well, what did you think? That you were going to learn all there was to know about being a woman in a bloody weekend? I find that vaguely insulting. 
Ava, I have a job. What am I supposed to tell my boss, my coworkers? Hells, what am I supposed to tell Nate and Kevin? The truth? Danny hung her head and sighed in exasperation. Look, I don't know what you're being so upset about. This will give you a chance to really get into being a woman, to see how it works on a daily basis. And you can change back if you really need to, you know. Where do you think Evan comes from? Danny blushed. She'd gotten so caught up in how different it all felt that she'd forgotten that she could switch back whenever she wanted. How long can I change back for? Twelve hours. You can push it longer than that, but you won't like the side effects. She paused, frowning slightly. Actually, you will like the side effects rather a lot, but you'll hate them afterwards. That whole elevated libido thing, a bit of a double-edged sword. She'd already noticed that much. Twelve hours. Got it. She was already thinking about how she would budget her time. She could conceivably hide it from her co-workers or her flatmates, but not both. Brilliant! Ava said, yawning. Can I just crash here, then? I'll be out of your hair first thing in the morning, I promise. Danny looked up at the clock and sighed. No, come on. You can have my bed, and I'll take the couch. She helped Ava get up, and they stumbled toward Danny's room. You're a real gentleman, Daniel Shirabi. I know, Danny said, rolling her eyes. I'm trying to quit. We'll be back with more of the Metamorph City podcast right after these messages. Welcome to Lesson 51 of Learn Something New, 365 lessons that teach you something new every day. Today, we will be translating Maori. Hey, you there. You with the iPod. I said you with the iPod. Do you listen to podcasts? Would you like a podcast about writing? About cultures different from your own? Yes? You can find all this and a whole lot more at Whispers at the Edge, hosted by New Zealand author Philippa Ballantyne. She really likes shoes. Shoes. Subscribe at whispers.libsyn.com. It's the podcast that's sweet as. We like asparagus. This concludes Lesson 51, Translating Maori. See you tomorrow for Lesson 52, Blindfold Bungee Jumping. Hi there, I'm Christiana Ellis, and I have this new daily podcast called Christiana's Shallow Thoughts. I was thinking the other day that I'd kind of like if more people were listening. So I hacked into the communications tower of the local airport. I mean, who better than airline passengers for a captive audience, right? Unfortunately, in hindsight, the plan had a few flaws and I made a few people angry. Long story short, 
I no longer fear death. Anyway, I still wanted people to listen, so I decided to make this promo. New Thoughts Daily at shallowthoughts.lipson.com Alright, put on the happy voice and let's do this bumper for Chris. Okay. Hi, this is T. Morris, author of Podcasting for Dummies, Moravi, The Chronicles of Rafe Nascana, and The Billabub Batting's Mysteries, and you're listening to The Metamore City Podcast. Okay. All right. Okay. Are we happy? Shiny happy podcasters? Doing nice things for other podcasters? Freaking Chris Lester comes in on the scene. Guy's got some balls, man. Some freaking balls producing such a nice podcast. Come on, pick up, pick up, pick up. Hey, how you doing? It's T. Yeah, 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 I know. Listen, listen, listen to me. Li- no, no, no. You listen to me. Our debts are paid off. Our debts are square. You owe me. And I'm calling in a favor. Lester, I want him dead. I want his family dead. I want his house burnt to the ground. I want him buried upside down so I can go out and piss on his ass. I want it messy. I want it messy. I want it drawn out. Oh shit, am I still recording? Hey there, everybody. I'm Elliot Ness. Or, I mean, Chris Lester. You're listening to Metamore City. Big thanks to T for that very funny gag bumper. It was a gag, right, T? T? <clears throat> anyway, I hope you all enjoyed your introduction to Daniel's alter ego, Danny. She is voiced by the lovely and talented Sarah Lloyd. And as you probably guessed from Ava's little bombshell at the end, you're going to be hearing a lot more from her as the story progresses. This episode also featured the debut of Jason Adams as Jared Tamlin, who you'll also be hearing more from in the coming chapters. You can check out more of his work at the Random Signal podcast at randomsignal.com, where he does a mixture of music and geek talk. You can also find him at the Geek Foo Morning Show with co-host Mer Lafferty at geekfooactiongrip.com. I want to thank all the loyal metamorphs who chipped in and provided the crowd voices for Jared's dance number. Matt Blocker, Paulette Jackson, Susie Foxworth, Robin Hudson, Adam Teese, Nicholas McRae, and Michael and Michelle Beckemeyer. Thank you all for helping to bring that scene to life. You guys did a great job. And lastly, huge thanks to Pip Ballantyne for her work as Ava in this chapter. I gave her a metric buttload of dialogue, and she ended up recording all of the lines at least twice. Between now and when she first delivered them to me, she upgraded her sound equipment. You can probably tell that Ava sounded a lot better than in previous chapters. So she came to me and asked if I would mind if she re-recorded. I said, of course not, go ahead. And she did such a great job with it that I'm glad that I waited. So thanks, Pip. You are awesome. Now we've got some feedback. Hi, Chris. It's Danny, your Sasha. I just had to send an audio to you and tell you how much I am enjoying making the cut. It's quite different when you're just scanning to get to your lines, 
and just getting a feel for the context of a scene so that you can do your lines versus sitting back and listening to the story and hearing the finished product. And I am blown away. It is wonderful. You picked a great cast of, of people to play these roles and you make me sound hot. I am loving my role in this. I just had to say I'm I'm honored that you chose me to be Sasha and I'm very critical of my voice and I don't like the way I sound, but I love the way I sound in this and everybody just sounds wonderful. And my fee, Christiana, she is doing a marvelous job. And so I just had to send something to you because I'm all caught up now. I was a few chapters behind, but I'm all caught up with the story and I can't wait now. I almost wish I hadn't caught up because now I have to wait like everybody else for the next chapters. And uh, oh, well, so I'll just wait along like everybody else. But um, I just needed to let you know that you're doing a fantastic job and I wear my Metamore City t-shirt with pride and I just I just hope people will ask me about it so I could tell them how to get this awesome story and spread the love. So I just had to let you know that, Chris. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this and I hope I'm doing your character proud and thank you for making me sound hot. Take care. Hey, you're welcome, Danny. And I've got to say thank you for making Sasha sound hot. I can honestly say that I could not be happier with anyone else in that role. You took it and you nailed it. It's kind of funny, because Sasha wasn't even in my original plan for this story, and now she's become one of my favorites, and I think your portrayal of her has definitely contributed to that. So thank you, and I'm glad you're digging the story. Hey Chris, this is David from BrokenSea.com again. I just finished listening to your most recent episode, and man, I gotta say I loved it. I did not see this ending coming, and I think that the story you're weaving is absolutely spectacular. Keep up the great work, Chris. Bye-bye. Thanks, David. Yeah, a lot of people have chimed in with how surprised they were at the big plot twist. I hope that I'll be able to continue to surprise you guys as the story goes on. I've got some more interesting twists and turns coming up, so hold on to your seats. As you just heard at the end of this chapter, Danny's not going anywhere for a while, and I look forward to giving her story the attention it deserves. And that, sadly, is all we have time for today, folks. We'll dig into some more feedback next week. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, you can call our voicemail line at 206-350-7333, or you can send in an mp3 comment like Danny did. The email address for that is feedback at metamorecity.com. You can also post your comments on the blog or take part in our fan forums over at thecursed.org. Stop in and let us know what you thought of the show. For those of you who ordered your Metamore City t-shirts, I will be placing the order with Custom Ink tomorrow, and they should get the shirts out to me within two weeks. I'll be sending them out as fast as I can after they arrive, so hopefully everyone who's going to Balticon will get their shirts before then. I'm going to be reading an all-new Metamore City story for Balticon After Dark, so if you're coming, bring your Metamore City t-shirt and join me for the reading. It should be a lot of fun. That'll do it for this show. Come back in two weeks for Chapter 10, where we'll be getting back to Brian's cell and the consequences of their disastrous mission. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. Some of the music on this podcast was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Some sound effects were provided by SoundSnap, 
at soundsnap.com, while others were provided by the Freesound Project, located at freesound.iua.upf.edu. Metamore City is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org.